Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Hi, Global Investors. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to finance your U.S. real estate investment as a foreign investor? Contact UniversalCommercialCapital.com. They do not require any credit history, employment, income verification, or permanent residency status. All you need to have is the minimum 35% down payment in a U.S. banking institution for two months. Rates start at 6% with a 30-year term. The whole approval process can be completed in 30 days. Call 888 888- 334-9039 or email them at info at universalcommercialcapital.com. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today we have Ryan Dumas. Over the past two years, Ryan has arranged over $135 million financing for apartments, hotels, self-storage, and assisted living facilities. So thanks, Ryan, for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Charles. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I briefly uh, spoke about your, your professional background there. Can you go into more depth about your, your financing background, your hospitality background? Well, I'll just go real quick, start off. I mean, when I was 15 years old, I started um, bussing, bussing in, in, rest, in restaurants, went up the ladder for, to serving, bartending, managing, um, and so forth for, for managing menus, managing restaurants. Um, I created wine list, drink list, the, the, whole, the whole thing. Um, went into hotel financing about eight years ago, was doing equipment financing for about three years and the last four years or so I've been doing the, the refinancing and the acquisition side. Um, and that's pretty much where the, the short story of what I've been doing the last, you know, seven to 20 some years. So the company you're with GRP capital finance, uh, what, what type of services and financing do they offer? I was looking at their website and it's quite a bit. What, what, what do you focus on and what do they mainly focus on? Well, I mean, I'll tell you where we, where we focused on. And of course we, we, um, so I work for GRP capital. It's a division out of Fort, Fort Myers, Florida. We also have a, um, remote office, um, in Beverly Hills, California as well. Um, I, I would say about, two to three years ago, it was um, a lot of hotels. Um, the majority of hotels was about about 95%. Um, right now, I would say we're more about a 75% hotel portfolio that we're financing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we became diversified more two years ago-ish um, on the assisted living, um, multifamily apartments, um, and other you know gas stations, medical, a little bit of everything in there too. Um, so that's where we're at. We um, done the financing side i mean is, is all over the place um it started off with mainly sba um we've done non-recourse cmbs we've done um fannie freddie agency loans um we also do um some private lending which is more of a family office um and those are shorter period of time while you're stabilizing um to then go into your conventional sba or non-recourse loans it's like a bridge loan Correct. It's yeah, it's their own family family fund bridge loan. It's, it's, you know, um, if it doesn't meet other bridge loan standards and everything, we we can um, you know supply that as well. It's about a two hundred million dollar um, you know set aside. Nice. Okay. The now you went through a couple of different loan types. I mean, can you explain the different ones that pertain to real estate? Mainly the conventional, CMBS. I mean, agency stuff like that. 
So I mean, um, most of the multifamily, um, you know, don't usually use SBA because you know SBA is mainly for you know hotels, restaurants, you know, C stores, uh, medical, and so forth. Um, the um, on the multifamily side, you know, we can do CMBS non-recourse, Fannie and Freddie. Um, you can do bridge loans, and it depends on each asset. If you have an asset that's not stabilized um, and it's 50, 60 percent occupancy, rents are low, um, a big value add. Not a lot of people are getting into the um, you know CMBS, Fannie, Freddie, Fannie and Freddie. They're wanting usually on most loans 90 percent occupancy. Mm-hmm. So um, that's when you know people go into that bridge loan or a, a local bank, but then also local banks in your area. Every area is different. You know, you go to Dallas and you know they can do a six, seven, eight million dollar loan at a local bank. You're in a small town. Usually, they're maxing out at two or three million dollars. So that's when then you go into the non-recourse or, or recourse national market. Um, most of the non-recourse deals, and I mean, I know people get, you know, 800,000, 1.2 million dollar non-recourse here and there, but most of the non-recourse loans are two, two and a half million dollars and up. Um, right now, they're still lending on the CMBS non-recourse side around the three and a half to 4%. Um, you know, they don't, if you have a lot of late pays, slow pays this last month, month and a half, um, they're going to look at that. Uh, also to, to touch on that, if you don't mind, um, those CMBS lenders are, they're not doing well because of the hoteliers that are 82, 85% um, down on their occupancy. So they're really hungry for these multifamily that are, that are still doing well. Because Explain their, CMBS, can you? I mean, it's a commercial mortgage backed services. And I mean, I could talk about that for an hour. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very complicated. Um, Just an overview here. 30 second overview, if you could. Basically, if you're, if you're refinancing, most people go in there and they'll do a, um, They'll do interest only, and then they'll cash out, pull, pull a lot of money out, pay their investors, pay themselves some money, buy another asset. Um, but and it's a low rate, longer amortization, um, long-term fixed, great rate. But there's minor details in there. So if you b- go below your debt service for one month, it triggers um, to your master servicer. Long story into that. It's a whole 20-minute topic right there. Um, right now, a lot of people, even if they're paying their bills right now, the mortgage and they have money aside if they're not meeting their debt service which if they have two rooms at a hundred you know unit property they're not meeting debt service and um, there's no revenue coming in or barely any so that's triggering a soft lot box which you know triggers somebody another the, the management company to help you out so um on that instance it's it's not good it's just the same as not making your payments mm-hmm. so um right now you got a lot of uh, a lot of hoteliers that have CMBS loans, the commercial mortgage-backed services loans, that some are paying their bills, some are not paying their bills, they're defaulting on those. So they're trying to get where you have to have a, a 2 to 3% ff and reserves, and there's another reserve they have too. They're trying to get it where you can use those reserves for pandemics or instances like this, but they don't have anything set up like that that you can just take out of there and pay this month um, and they're implementing now they're, they're working with, you know, there's lawyers, attorneys working on this right now that they're going to work on, um, where the debt service doesn't have to meet for those few months and they can use those reserves to pay for the next two, three, four months to get by. But, um, some of these hoteliers and other businesses aren't going to recoup if tourism and everything else doesn't shoot back up pretty quickly. 
So how is, how is COVID affecting, I know we just touched on it a little bit, but affecting your company, your borrower specific. I mean, I imagine it's devastating to the, like to the hotels. It is. I mean, I was getting ready to close on some, some large um, CMBS loans um, myself, but in a way I'm glad I didn't so that they didn't suffer for the consequence. Like I just said about the CMBS loans. Um, a few of them have SBA and conventional loans. They're um, larger, larger hotels, larger businesses. And I was getting ready to close on four, four or five of them. So that would have been great for me, but also I'm glad that the, that they didn't do that for what's happening now, because right now their local banks, their SBA is actually giving them deferment uh, forbearance and, and things like that nature. So they're actually safe right now. So um, I don't know if, if they will go into a CMBS loan after this is said and done at all. Um, but um, it slowed those down for sure. And the, the, we usually, I used to do about one to one or two, one to three SBA deals a month as well, between about, you know, one to $4 million. So of course that slowed down. There's different parameters. They're wanting people that are liquid. So if you're buying a, a hotel, gas station, medical center, and you're buying it for, you know, $3 million and you're wanting 20% down 600,000, you got an extra 10,000 in reserves. Right now, they're like, that's not enough. We need six months or a year's worth of reserves now. Um, also, they're looking at whatever your business is. If it's a multifamily apartment complex, um, and that's just, you know, conventional, local bank, Fannie, Freddie, whoever that is, they're looking at your client base. You know, do you have restaurant servers and bartenders or you if you're in a downtown area? Because there's some places in St. Pete, um, other downtown areas like New Orleans that are real heavy on bartenders, servers, managers, and the last five weeks, they, they're, they're showing zero. A lot of them, I don't know what the numbers are, but I know it's really high, um, past 80% you know, of them live week to week, month to month. Um, they're making you know, 500 bucks minimum, usually 1,000 bucks a week. Sometimes the, um, the ones in New Orleans I know are making 500 to $1,000 a day, a night working. And if they work three nights, 3,000 bucks, but right now they're, they're making zero. So um, it's, affecting, it's, it's affecting a lot of people. Um, the only ones that's not affecting are the, you know, the essential workers, the nurses, the doctors, everybody that's working right now, or people that have cash. That's why cash is king. And if you're liquid, you can buy assets. But a lot of people are going to be refinancing into a, a longer amortization. Um, like a, a lot of hoteliers I have right now and other businesses too that are in, um, say, a conventional or, you know, or a local bank um, conventional loan at a 10 15-year amortization, even a 20-year, they're going to a um, SBA because we can get you into a 25-year amortization um, at around a four and a quarter, four and a half percent rate. So it can give you better cash flow. And you know what we're trying to do is a lot of the a lot of the non-recourse CMBS, I'll, I'll stick with hotels specifically, that are failing right now, that aren't doing well, that aren't even making the payments because of the COVID-19. Their average, I think, I think it's their average loans around seven million dollars. So they're trying to increase SBA from 5 million eligibility to 10 million. So if those averages are 7 million, of course, I know people have two, three, four hotels, but just one person having a hotel, we can refinance it into an SBA and at least defer them for those, not defer, the, the government's paying six months principal and interest. So then they can save their asset, but they do have very high prepay penalties called a defeasance in CMBS, which most of the, most of the clients I have their defeasance are two hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so, pretty hefty fee to pay to refinance. So yeah, a lot going on um, in the industry right now, and 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 things are changing. It's 
approvals aren't coming out in the in the two or three days that we usually have there and the banks are the banks that we have are working on some PPPs loans right now and and they're backed up yeah. yeah it just looks like every for our lenders I speak to it's um, it's just the underwriting across the board is just getting stricter so when we would review properties obviously as multifamily uh, you're gonna be looking at the diverse employers, right, across all of your different tenants, making sure that, you know, 15, 20% of your tenants aren't with one employer and all this kind of stuff. And now you have to get even stricter because it's not just per employer. Now you have to check per industry. So it's now that, um, you know, you're just like, how much is in restaurant? You've got to go back and really do like a whole lease audit on these properties before they're refinancing them just to make sure that they have, like you said, the capable renters, the capable income streams that aren't going to dry up or haven't dried up yet because of COVID. Exactly. And like, kind of like you touch, touch up on what you said, it's about demand, demand generators, markets, and everything else. If you buy a place, say it's a, a hotel or a multifamily, it's a little bit different each one, but um, on the multifamily, if you have one big factory that has, you know, 90% of the employment around there and it's oil, like, like Houston, like, and not saying all of Houston, but, you know, closer to Baytown, some of those areas right now. Talked to a gentleman last night that was on our um, Zoom call. There's about 26 of us on there. And um, um, his occupancy w is very, very low. It's almost gone. But he had, um, it's, I'm not going to say the exact numbers, but say roughly 2,000 people at a, at a plant there. They went down and within three days. They went down to 200 people. So that's going to affect, you know, hotels because of people that are traveling the once a month, once a week. The, the higher ups in the company. And then also the ones that um, live around there, if cost of living, you know, if they're living in a class A, class B around there and they were doing a hundred thousand a year and they have no job, they're probably going to be going down to a class B or C moving in with family and so forth. So a lot of that area is going to be, you know, moved somewhere else. Um, it might take a month, two months after some stimulus checks or something else, but you know, the stimulus checks aren't going to get them what they were making. So there's going to be a, a big shift. Um, that's why you got to check. I mean, we, I always ask what's the demands, what's the market, you know, wh where, where your clients, where, where your tenants at, where your clients come from. It makes sense. Cause now be like, Oh, now I know why you, you said, <laughs> you said to, to diversify and have more demands there. I'm like, yeah, if you have a, if you're in Odessa and you have one big factory there, whatever, just say it's a, a solar field and they got 200 employees there and you know, a hundred are staying at your apartment complex for say, that's, that's not, that's not real safe. It might be for, two or three years, but it's, it's not safe. So. Yeah. It's that risk when you're getting a little far out of into tertiary markets and you're, when you get out that far, it's not usually as diverse with the job market. So you have to make sure that you're really, you know, when you, when you start dealing in those type of markets that there is some sort of diversity of what you're dealing with, because now they're just not going to loan on it. So it's kind of your lender is going to say, no, we're not doing that. And obviously you might find some that will, but it doesn't make it a good investment. Um, but so what happens if for, for clients that you have that have hotel who hotels and um, they're normal, you know, they're very low occupancy right now. Are there ways that they can work with it? Not just restructuring their financing, but like you were, we were speaking earlier and you were saying that they can restructure kind of how their hotel serves guests and uh, just kind of get that occupancy up. Well, I mean, um, I don't know which part it was. We did, Oh, the extended, the extending it, extended stay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some, so 
And it's a little bit hard in the district there too. So a lot of people that have extended stays in certain areas right now are, are doing better for the, the locals, the, the people that, you know, may have a job and they don't have good credit, don't have a house or a rental or anything. And they're paying the, the $300 a week to stay at a hotel. If there's five, 10, 15 other hotels in the area that only have two or three rooms, those extended stays that had 50, 60% occupancy, Right now, there's a few. I mean, there's not. It's not every single extended stay, but a lot of those, um, you know, are are doing 60, 70 percent occupancy right now because of that. Um, you know, it, it, you just gotta be careful what you get. I mean, if you're getting a, you know, a, a Hilton, a Marriott, a higher tier product right now, um, I just don't know what the appetite is for them because tourism is gonna go down first, because most people, um, right now, it's it, it's April. You know, if you're looking at your June and you're going on vacation. I mean, we just canceled our, our, our 12, 12, 13 day trip we had in um, Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know about the virus, you know, things that are opening, you know, and, and other things that are out there too. So we closed ours down, but we, we kept our, um, I think it's our July or August, our three, four day trip to Sanibel. So a lot of people, and that's just a sample. I mean, it's just myself and, but a few others I talked to, they're canceling their, their trip out of country because of things that are going on and they're doing stuff within an hour or two, three hours. So you're going to see a lot less travel by cruises, planes, and all those things. But, um, you know, a lot of hotels right now, to get back on the topic, um, some, what we're doing actually is we're, we're transforming hotels that were pretty big in the tourism area or were better in tourism at one time. And this is even before COVID-19. And we're transforming them into apartments. So we're looking for some interior corridor, exterior corridors, something we're built as a Holiday Inn, Marriott Hilton's have a good bones to them um, in a good area that has um, low vacancy um, and has more than one, more than one demand, um, you know, and they're growing at a certain rate. So, I mean, that's one of the things we're looking for. I know some people are talking about student housing and other things, but also see what your asset can do. Can you convert it to assisted living? Can you convert it to something else if it's not doing well? Um, there's some areas that won't rebound at all. If it's like between Austin and Dallas, between two bigger cities, and you were doing well because of overflow from another city. But a lot of that's going to change right now. It's not to scare, but it's going to be similar to the 2008. I said this about a month ago. And people were like, oh, no, it's not going to be that bad, which, you know, we didn't know. But now there's cases of COVID that were here since January, they're saying. So, I mean, you know, we weren't completely prepared for it and not to get in that topic, but we 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 weren't ready for it, but um, it's good that we did close up some of our businesses. But you know, it's time to to get back on the on the on opening up some businesses carefully, so we can save the economy here. What do you think, from a lender's point of view, are the long term effects of COVID? Let's say, uh, you know, later this later twenty twenty, and uh, you know, in years to come. I mean, the biggest thing is. It, if we rebound in the next few weeks and things open up and, and it doesn't, the virus doesn't spread as bad, we won't be as bad. But if this happens for like another two more months, I mean, they're saying that, you know, 80% of restaurants won't open back up again. I mean, so that's going to cause a lot. I mean, I, I have some, some restaurant owners that I know personally that go on four six, eight week vacations a year. So, I mean, there's, it's going to affect a lot. Um, I mean, just in the restaurants, from the hoteliers, you know, not much travel there. The, the servers that work there aren't going to be, you know, making the money that they were making before with those restaurants and hotels. And then, of course, if they were getting their stuff dry clean, the dry cleaner is going to slow. It's a big circle. So, 
it depends on how long it goes on for. The, the longer it goes on for, the, the more it's going to affect the economy, you know, and, and everything else. Um, you know, the more people that go on an unemployment and if they're getting $850 a week, they're not going to want to work. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that come in play with this now. I mean, a lot of hoteliers I have, um, restaurant owners, dry cleaners, if they're paying three, four or 500 bucks a week for their employees, um, and they're getting unemployment 650 plus their two 250. Why would they come back to work? So there's a big effect in that now as well. Yeah. So it's going to be. I mean, the strict underwriting will probably last for for a while to come, even after this comes back around. Is that? I would say. I mean, yeah. I would say about a good year to a year to, to 18 months. I mean, look at OA. I think it was around two years where it. Mm-hmm had that, you know, stabilization process and then went back up from there. But it's going to be a slow process, but it just depends on how long it's going to last and how we rebuild and go from there. Um, But we got to, you know, we got to buy local. We got to stay local. We got to spend money. But if nobody has, if not many people have jobs, it's kind of hard for people that don't have jobs to spend money. But the ones that do have the money, we need to, to keep that circulation going kind of like 2008 didn't at the beginning. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. People pulled Definitely. their money out of stocks, everything else stopped, held back and just, and just froze. But you, you have to, to watch your money when, you know, you're losing a job or you're getting your hours cut in half. Um, you know, I have friends that are in IT that, you know, making six figures and now their hours got cut in half. So, you know, they're, they're making half the amount of money. Yeah. So you have to cut something. And when everybody, you know, when 50, 60% of America starts cutting 20%, it's across the board. So yeah. it definitely but, trickles um, down all the yeah, way. I mean, down. you know, I mean, like the numbers, I mean, right now, as I saw yesterday, I believe it was, I mean, 22 million are unemployed. Now, I mean, once things open up, it might go that go back to, to, you know, 10 million or, or 6 million. We don't know yet, but um, the, the, the less the unemployment, of course, the better. So we'll see how it goes. If we have 18 to 22 still unemployed, it's, it's not going to be good. Yeah. No, that's uh that's definitely true. The uh, just like uh, now moving along with with a couple of different things I want to touch on is you, you're a real estate investor and you have a different when we've spoken before you have a different business model compared to a traditional say multifamily investor. Obviously because of your your lengthy experience in hospitality, can you explain what your criteria and strategy is when you're buying properties and what you, a, a typical business plan looks like? Well, I mean, it's different for every single area because some people have the same business plans. Like, here you go. It doesn't. It, if it fits, it fits. But it has to be different for each for each area. Um, if you're looking for for multi-family in an area, you have to look at that location and see what jobs are there and and the growth is there and everything else. Um, I have people that that just look. Oh, I want to go here. They don't know the the, the insurance, the, the the taxes. They don't know anything about it. That's why it's good to go pick one or two cities close to you. Um, or, or, or a partner, one or two cities that you, that you like and know everything about those cities. Um, I have people that are just looking at all over the U.S. and don't know anything about it. And then they go ahead and they put an offer in a place, look at a place. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, I've, I've done some hotels in the area and their taxes are 5% higher in that town than the next. That's why it was for sale for a year now. Oh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. And the numbers look good, but, but I didn't see that really. I kind of thought the numbers were high. I thought I'd just get them a little lower. And I'm like, you know, no, the, the tax, taxes. And then when you buy it for that million dollar higher price than the seller sold it for, your taxes are going to be even higher. You got to fight those every single year. So it's different. I mean, 
you know, working in the banker side, I see risk. So it's something that you want to make sure that you have a lot of a lot of demands, a lot of a lot of jobs in there, a lot of growth. Um, you know, right now we saw that um, I saw yesterday or two days ago now that because of all this COVID-19 stuff that they took us a, a, a sample. I think it was I think it was about 100,000 people. I got to look at the study again that the majority of them did not want to stay downtown. Now they want to stay 10, 15 minutes away from their jobs in the downtown market now. So there's going to be a new shift now, um, you know, just because of congestion, a lot of people and, you know, getting diseases or sick or whatever it may be. Um, it might change a little bit or maybe just a, a fear right now, but a lot of that's going to change a lot of, I mean, like, like us, like where you're buying at, it's a different strategy, but, a lot of jobs are are, are going to change. Um, people right now with with Zoom, I, I think it was the first week, it, it multiplied four times the amount of, of viewers. I don't even know what it is now, but of course their services servicer um, couldn't handle it and everything else. But there's going to be a lot more people that be working at their homes or offices. So these large offices are probably going to be vacant. People are going to turn those into assisted living, self storage. So you got to think outside the box right now on what you're investing. Um, you know, we're going to be investing in multifamily. Multifamily is, you know, assisted living, senior residential assisted living, apartments, senior living, and some other things involved in there. So I have a couple of people that are, you know, work in assisted living and um, we're going to go assisted living in certain strategic areas. And then we're going to do multifamily. We have a couple of different areas picked out that we're looking at. Um, but you can't just buy in a city state that you have no clue about. And also, I mean, there's a reason why something is for sale for, for so long. If you look at a place that's been for sale for a long time, why are the local entrepreneurs, um, investors, why are they not buying it? There's usually a reason. Now, if you get a price, a lot better price, and they're asking $3 million, and all of a sudden you give them down to one and a half, probably worth it. But there's a lot of things to look out for. I look out for risk, and I look at all the things when we analyze our deals and how our lenders analyze their deals. I look at those aspects. Some others might not do that, but... It's, it's all about that market, that area, because just because one person didn't do well, you know, means that you can do well. But if it's in a, an area that's decreasing and decreasing and job growth is decreasing, just because the good price doesn't mean it's a good deal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have people that see good deals and, you know, good deals are different for each person. Yeah, for but, sure. But I mean, it just depends on where it is. But um. So when you work with a different, all different types of entrepreneurs and investors, and I imagine as you were speaking before, you definitely deal with some that are a little bit more inexperienced. What about, uh, what are some of the, your successful clients that you work with um, across all different types of asset classes and businesses? What are the common factors, common themes you see with them on how they review deals, on how they bring deals to you? Um, that differs from the inexperienced investor that doesn't even know the taxes in the area, like you're saying, and is focusing on the whole country versus two or three markets. I mean, I would say the ones that try to do it themselves, they don't have a team. Um, you know, somebody that's good at underwriting or, or say somebody that's good at construction, GC, and they're like, oh, I'm going to come through and do all this, and they're not good at underwriting. Well, also, they're not good at money raising. It's good to have somebody that can help you raise money. Um, somebody that's good at that, that knows the plumbing, electrical and all those things, you know, have a, have an asset manager, have somebody that knows the property management system well, because if you just go in there buying an apartment and you get a property manager in, in there, 
how do you know they're going to do their job? Somebody's got to manage your property manager. So I, I believe in team and there's a few things that I know and there's a lot of things I don't know. Instead of me, instead of me spending months or a year, two years trying to find something I don't know, I'd rather just get a partner or two partners that can fill in those gaps and, and work efficiently. And that's what I see a lot of um, investors that, that do. They're, they're trying to do all those roles or they're trying to just buy, buy and they just, oh, here's a good deal. And then they find out they're all over the country. They can't get to these places and, and you know, they're not taking care of them. And that's why people like, the investors like absentee owner or somebody that's not there. Oh, I live in California, another place in you know, Pennsylvania. Okay, well, and then you go to Pennsylvania and you're like, oh yeah, we never see the, the owner. He's never here. It's, we could do whatever we want. So it's more about being hands-on, um, customer service, um, you know, making sure your, your property manager's doing their job. If it's a hotel, making sure that you're on staff because a hotel or a restaurant is a different animal. Mm -hmm. you, you have to be there, especially a restaurant. You have to be there almost every day. Um, that's why most of the restaurant owners will go away for a week or two weeks out of the, in the off season. But during the season, they're there five, six, seven days a week, and sometimes 10, 15, 18 hours a day. Um, but it's, you just have to be, you have to love what you do. You have to be good at, and you have to have a good team. That's the way, that's the way I see it. And a lot of people also, they don't have the extra money in reserves. And we're finding that out now, the ones that don't have enough for renovations or the renovation budget changes. And I'm asking them, Hey, what's your renovation going to cost? I think it's going to cost about a million dollars. Okay, cool. I'm like, where's your, your, I want to see it on Excel. I want to see what it is, how much it is per room. Um, yeah. Cause once you start getting past the studs, past other things and it, you know, Oh, we need another 200,000. And I understand that that happens, but have that budget in there where you think it's going to be a million and you've got everything broken down in Excel spreadsheet of what you think you're going to spend or your GC or whoever did that. You know, what if, what happens if there is mold or, or whatever else the next step is, you know, put in that contingency, put in that 10%, 15% contingency um, and, and go from there because that's what makes people successful. Cause out of the 23 loans I did, I think last year, um, I think 18 or 19 of them all had renovations, um, 18 or 19, I think, I believe it was, at least had renovations. Yeah. Um, and the other ones might've had a, a small 20, $30,000 renovation, but you know, cause once you renovate your apartment, your, your hotel, whatever that business is, you increase the value of it. If you got a, a hotel, there's four on a, there's one on each corner, there's four corners there. And, and I, I finance that asset and it's all brand new paint, new furniture, new sign, everything's, a lot of the stuff's new in there. What are they going to do? You start from the outside, the lobby, then the rooms. Who are going to say, oh, this hotel looks nice. Pictures online and, and, and so forth. They're going to get the most of the business there now. And then the others, if they have money financing, they're going to do the same thing, you know, follow and return. But mm -hmm. if you don't do those renovations right away, you don't know if they're ever going to get done because you're not supposed to. And it depends how many assets you have, how much liquid you have. You're not supposed to use your cash flow for your renovations. Yeah, for sure. The reserves has been an issue I've seen with new investors I've spoken to, not just COVID. It's just an ongoing, people just don't understand, especially with real estate, multifamily, commercial, whatever it is, the correct reserves that are required for operating a property. Even if everything, if we're, even if we're, you know, the economy is zooming around, zooming through and it's, it's December, 2019, uh, 2019 and you know, everything's going great. And then you just two or three months later and people don't have the proper reserves and that's where it really comes out because you're not going to be able to cover 
all different types. There's, there's going to be more money that people are spending right now on property management uh, because they have additional people that are coming in cleaning. There's additional supplies. It's harder to get supplies. You know, all these other expenses that come out that even if you have 88% of your people paying rent, um, you still have a lot more expenses and people aren't factoring those types of things in with the whole, with, with how they're doing it. And six months reserves is usually kind of what people say. I like going higher than that. But now with like the new agency guidelines that are going even 18 months on mortgage and principal and interest, I mean, that's going to really change the whole dynamic of new, especially syndications um, that are happening now into the future. And uh, touch on one other point you had there with the management, that's another issue or factor I see happen with new investors where once they get a property manager, they feel, hey, it's all passive now, which is completely incorrect because you have to be, especially larger properties where you have weekly, now it's almost daily contact with that manager and doing the asset manager, asset management of the asset, you know, through the property manager. So you're making sure stuff's getting done. I mean, you're working just like they are. I mean, it's not, you're not taking any vacations or doing anything. And um, it's just an ongoing thing that, and that's just what happens with real estate. It's a, it's a business. It's not just a passive investment. Well, that's what makes it easier of having that yeah. team. So mm -hmm. if one person is, is, is delegating to operations slash asset management, you know, and it's like me, it, there's, there's a few different things on that. So, you know, your property management's Michelle, Hey, Michelle, how's it going today? Oh, it's, you know, we just had four people move out. And because if you don't have a relationship with them, they have nobody to talk to about their problems or issues. Mm -hmm. You're not saying, Hey, how's the NOI? What's NOI? You know, explain to them what the NOI means, explain, explain these things to them. So then, they feel it's that's more of their of their asset as well mm -hmm. um and they want to take care of it as it's their own oh we got a you know a, a 15 percent noi let's, let's see if we can get 20 percent and and everything then they're working harder at that i have people that pay very minimal for some of their property management or, or some of their managers in, in some of their offices depends how small or large they are and they'll pay them on on bonuses and they can make a lot of money on the bonuses because if it's a place that was a low occupancy place and they can build that occupancy up, especially if they just renovated it, um, they're working hard for their money. Mm -hmm. But um, it's a relationship too. I mean, because some people, how long have you talked to your property manager? Oh, I don't know. I mean, have they visited the property? You know, I mean, most some property managers don't even visit the property. Yeah. The ones that are a larger building and, you know, I can see if it's a newer place, you know, it makes sense. It's ran well, ran, ran well and everything else, a great, you know, oiled machine. But the thing about it is, is it, it's good to, to go check on your place. If you have four partners involved, you know, take, take one month here, one month there. So you're going every four months to, to that property. Um, that's the best thing. And then also I, I hear it all the time. Oh, I'm just going to go visit the property tomorrow at 8, 8 a.m. And they're telling the property manager, they're <laughs> yeah. telling the person that's at the property that they're going to meet when they're going to be there. Yeah. And I talk about it a lot. I just don't get it. You know, if it's a, if it's a hotel and you're, you know, you're absentee, you go, Hey, I'm going to go visit. You know what you know what they're doing? You, you say you're going to visit there Monday at 8 a.m. Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. They're sweeping, they're they're mopping, they're cleaning, they're they're doing this stuff that they they haven't done in the last four or five months or, or, or three or four weeks. So that's why you go unexpectedly and you're like, oh, the place looks beautiful here. Oh, and they're always going to keep up with it. You know, not every single place or person is, but the ones that know you're there and you have a good relationship with them, and that there's the ones that are going to be keeping it up. Like you're always going to come in yeah. restaurant owners, the same thing. Um, you know, you get, you're, you're there and you have three or four restaurants in the area or two restaurants. You're going back and forth in those places. If you're never there, they're gonna be like, Oh, he never comes in here. <laughs> she never comes in here, but it's about keeping that relationship with your employees, your, your tenants, 
um, your, your clients and, and coming in, seeing how your business is. Um, yeah, that's really important. That's why I was laughing is because it's something when I go look at different, when I go check on some properties we have out of state and I'll check them in the morning and then I'll be, as I'm arriving, I'll be sending an email to my property manager to meet that afternoon. And it's kind of like you go and you walk the hallways, you see what's been sweeped, you see if there's any litter outside, you're going in the basement, uh, is there, you know, if you have a basement, whatever it is, and you're, you're checking to see if there's water, you know, are the mechanicals working? Is there, is there stuff that's not supposed to you walk around? That's not how the roof's supposed to be. This gutter's not right. Something like this. And it's like, well, this is something that should have been, uh, you know, should be put on the list. Should, I should be know about this. This is, a, you know, this is a CapEx expenditure, stuff like this. And then you can kind of go and see exactly how it works. You know, the drive-by, you don't want them, like you said, go and prep for you to show up and make everything nicely vacuumed and everything nicely cleaned. And you know what I mean? And uh, you want to see how your tenants see it every day because then you can relate to them and go, wow, this, yeah, you should be complaining because this isn't how it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's nice because I mean, I've done when I've done when I do consulting on hotels and other assets that I've done consulting for in the past and everything. This is you know pretty recent and everything. Um, you know, going to the chamber of commerce, doing all these things there. Um, you know, taking care of your employees, having a pizza party, having these things going on, and um, it's just one of those things that come in there and, and people respect you a lot more than you know they work harder and everything else too. Um, you know, they can call you by your first name and say, "Hey Ryan, how you doing today? Great." Instead of going. Oh geez, uh, Mr. Mr. Dumas is here, and he's one of our investors here, and he's checking the property, and they're all scared. You know, I mean, talk to them, and you know, like I said, build that relationship, and tell them tell them how they're doing a great job. If they're not doing a good job, ask them. You know, if there's if they've been trained, ask them how things are going there. Ask them, you know, what you could do to help out. Um, yeah, the and the open they, lines of communication for sure. Ask questions. You know, if you don't ask questions, sure. you never know anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to. Um, to, to touch back a little bit ago too about the reserves. I mean, cause people are like, Oh, I have insurance. I'm like, yeah, you have insurance, but if you have a plumbing that breaks, when's your yeah. insurance going to, going to, you know, <laughs> big plumbing. I've had hoteliers and apartment complexes that have plumbing issues. I'm talking about like main breaks and it's right on the edge where it's like, Oh, that's not the, the county's part or city's part. That's yours. That's your part. So what are you doing with this main that's breaking out? Water's just flowing out and stuff. And it's a fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar job. You're gonna your insurance isn't gonna pay you an hour later. They're not. Um, you know, sometimes it's been a month, two months where the insurance is paying you. So if you have a hundred thousand dollar, you know, break, leak, whatever it may be, um, what are you gonna do in this meantime? So that's why it's good to have this reserves. Um, you know, it's 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 good to have six months, twelve months. I feel like oh, I have about a month or two months in it. It's not enough. So that's one thing they're looking at the underwriting now. They're wanting the six months in there for over three million um, on, on the Fannie Freddie. They're wanting um, um, below the below the three. They're wanting twelve months, and then I think it's above six. I heard yesterday Tim was saying that's around that eighteen months in reserve, which mm. I haven't actually heard that yes, yet until he said that. But they're getting more strict, and it's going to change every every couple of days, every couple of weeks. They're you know they're probably going to want a stronger partner. They want more want something that's more liquid than they. Than before with that that ten percent ten percent liquid they might want more now, but um things are going to change the banks look at risk like you said so um it's just you know making sure that you're putting more money down you know if you're trying to buy two assets a year you know buy one and, and put more money down on there make the payments easier have more money in reserves um you know banks are going to look at risk too make it easier for for yourself and the lender but I know a lot of people that in this last three six nine months were. 80% loan to value, borrowing an extra 10% from um, another hard money lender, 
doing 10% seller carry, 5% from somewhere else. And, you know, it's a 95%, 90% loan to value, no matter which way you look at it. Maybe not from that first position lender, but it is. So you just got to look at the the total of, you know, and if you looked at you were going to bump your rents up 150, 200 bucks, right now it's not going to happen. Yeah. It might happen in another six months, a year when, you know, if jobs come, if jobs are coming back and everything else, because a lot of these renters that are renting for, it depends where you're at. Say if you're renting yeah. a house for 1600 bucks a month, your, your apartment in the area is probably gonna be 1200 bucks a month. So if you can save four, $500 a month by, by renting an apartment, um, you know, a lot of single families are gonna be up for sale. Um, to touch on it too, if you got, I mean, a lot of Airbnb guys I know that have guys, gals that have five, 10 units that they don't have money in reserves for those. Yeah. Um, people were getting those for 10, 15, 20% down. Um, they didn't look at reserves now. Well, if they were just, every time they'd make $50,000, $20,000, they would put it and buy another one. Now, now they're looking at, they haven't, the last five, six weeks, they haven't had anybody in those now at some of those and nothing's coming in. So they're $1,500 rent, $1,400 rent they would have from a mortgage. They were getting around $2,500 to $3,000, you know, Airbnb and VRBO and everything is zero. So they're paying their mortgage. And some of those houses were, were valued at like maybe $200,000. They're paying $225, $250 because I'm making $3,000 Airbnb. So they're paying more for them. Yeah. So there's people I know that have five, 10, 20 of those Airbnbs that they don't have more than a, maybe a month in reserve. So this next month or so that comes by, once the payroll protection program, the EIDL loans are, are kind of out, and it really might take six months by the time all those savings and, and everything else are wiped out, that the, the housing market's gonna, gonna have a big effect here coming up. Yeah, for sure. And um, just circling back on that, you know, the, the main that happened to me with a property I have out of state and um, it was, you get a call from your property manager and water's coming into you or this situation, this property was coming into the basement. That's not something where we got to rectify it right away, but that's not something that you want to be waiting around trying to call your insurance company. It's get the mm -hmm. contractor out there, start digging up my front yard. And, um, you know, you need to have the reserves for that or you're going to find yourself. I mean, if, if, if it wasn't property draining something like this, I mean, the amount of mechanicals and issues that you would have in that basement that'd be ruined. I mean, um, and that can be happening anywhere. You know, you have to have the reserves so you can pull the trigger on emergencies that come up, that always come up whenever any type of business you always run, they're going to come in, especially with real estate. So, yeah, and it's funny on that same topic about the about banks and lending and not having that reserves. Like, oh, I want to go to a bank that doesn't have doesn't want me to have reserves and doesn't want this and and then they're and then they're going, oh, well, you know, it's tight now. And I'm like, well, that's because you you went to 30 lenders, you found one that would lend to you, but you know, now what are they doing? Are they giving you, um, you know, are they, are they helping you out with your payments right now that slow, whatever business it is? No, that's why a lot of even our, our um, back to like hotels and other assets we have the SBA, SBA gave a, you know, the lenders were doing a three months um, de um, de deferred on those. Um, so it's deferred on the principal and interest, but the interest accrues. So once three months passes, they go, hey, you have $1,000 a month interest. Here's $3,000 for these last three months. Let's have it. Now, you can go to your lender and say, hey, can you put that in my payments? Now, it increases your it increases your payments and how much you owe as well, too. And it's not always the best thing. But now, if you have an SBA loan compared to a conventional or, or non-recourse loan, too, it's good because right now, the, the government is giving six months. Um, if you have an asset that's SBA or if you get an asset and refinance it by September, um, that's SBA loan, 
um, you'll get six months of no payments, principal and interest. So they're actually paying that principal and paying that interest. Um, so that's actually a, a good program too. And most local banks, you know, nobody else is doing that. So mm -hmm. I have people that went from, um, um, went from SBA loan to a conventional right before this happened and their bank's doing nothing for them at all. So it's, you know, it's, it's also mm -hmm. me communicating going, Hey, let me see if I can get you back into the, the, the same lender we had or, or back into an SBA loan and save you because they didn't know this was happening. Nobody did, but I did tell them, Hey, that, you know, rates are going down that, you know, there's a lot of supply, you know, kind of recession starting to slowly happen. Of course, my theory is COVID kicked COVID-19 yeah. kicked us into recession you know, in the second, third year, whatever you want to call it. I know three or four weeks ago, everybody was like, no, no, no. Well, now that GDP growth is down and if it happens again next month, the second quarter, you know, we're in a recession. Yeah. Whether, whether you like it or not, we're not trying to scare people, but you, you got to know and, and face reality. And then, you know, right now, but when it does go to that lowest point, whatever it is, six months, a year from now, that's a good time to buy because that's, yeah. your, that's your low again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to play out here in the next few months and we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's the one underlying fact is that underwriting and um, banks and lending is going to tighten up. And uh, so, so how can people learn more about you and your business, Ryan? I mean, um, I have a, um, a Facebook page um, called uh, Traveling Commercial Finance Guy Ryan Dumas. Um, I have a, a group um, that's called commercial multifamily, um, financing five plus units or more, um, on both those. If you have any questions, I have a, you know, I can give you, Charles has my, um, my, my, my cell, give me a text. Um, sometimes I, I get a lot of calls during the day and it's easy to set up a time. Um, kind of like when somebody's doing a podcast, set up a time, Hey, I call tomorrow, next week, um, set up a time to talk and discuss. Um, not a lot of times I can help out your situation, but I can at least, you know, send you on to another professional that I know in my circle that, that can help you. Um, I don't do any residential financing at all, but I have a, a couple of um, national and, and if you're in a certain state, I have some really good ones in Texas, Florida, California that I refer them to. So I refer a lot of business and it's just a big circle for me. So, I mean, um, you know, if you have any questions, call me, text me, Facebook. Um, I am very busy, active, you know, setting up a call to talk or if it's a quick, quick text and questions of if I can help you or not, I can kind of tell you yes, no. And you know, if it makes sense, let's schedule a call, but I'm here to help out. Um, that's what I do. I love what I do. Um, you know, I live in Clearwater, Florida. If anybody has any questions that wants to meet up after this is all done and said, I meet with clients. If it's, you know, if a couple of friends that want to meet and discuss apartment financing, um, senior residential assisted living, hotel financing, different conversions, just thinking outside the box and, and, and banging heads together. Um, I'd love to meet up with you. Um, you know, I, I travel different states just to meet and, 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 and talk, but um, let me know how I can help with financing. Um, you know, we're going to start raising capital with right now with, you know, doctors, attorneys and lawyers and everything else There's that have that money that the stock market went down. Once it goes back up to kind of where it was or where they're safe again, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be pulling money out or using additional money um, to buy these assets. And we're going to strategically put more money down you know, be more selective, a little harder in underwriting. And a lot of our, you know, assets are going to be either residential or assisted living, or they're going to be hotels that we're going to convert to um, apartments in, in areas that I think have a few different demands that, that'll do well for five, 10 plus years. 
Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I'll put all the links. Um, I have your, uh, you know, your email, your phone numbers, all that stuff we'll put into the podcast notes and into the YouTube notes. So thank you so much for being on the show today and uh, looking forward to uh, contacting, connecting with you in the future. Awesome. Nice talking to you. Nice to see you um, visually. <laughs> see you later. Have a good day. See you, Charles. Take care. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.